0: Want to shut that door in the back, Ethan, please? Thanks. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom coming as unto a, live, a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Let's just stop there and pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless now our Bible study this morning, Meet with us in a very real way, a personal way. We pray, Lord, that you'd bless the Sunday school classes that are taking place downstairs. Um, Be with each teacher and all of the different students and draw them closer to you. Pray your blessing on the morning worship service today, that it would just be a time of lifting up our hearts toward heaven, whether it's the special music or the preaching of the word or the offering, that all that would be done today would be to honor and glorify you. But as always, Lord, we're thankful for your goodness, we're thankful for your mercy and for your grace, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this is our, I think, fifth lesson in this uh, series of Real Church, and if you're visiting or haven't been with us during these uh, lessons, we we talk about real faith, real purpose, real discipleship, uh, real faithfulness. So today we want to talk about worship and the whole idea of worshiping the Lord. And um, if you notice on your handout, everybody get a handout this morning? On your handout um, underneath the the first paragraph, worship uh, is a sacred privilege of every child of God. It's really vital to our Christian experience, worshiping the Lord. And although there's great confusion in our day concerning who to worship and how to worship God, uh, Jesus outlined it simply. We must worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and we must recognize that the Holy Spirit directs our worship to exalt Christ. So if you notice on your handout as well, the word worship, it's really just two words. Act, it's the act of a reverent heart and the way we ascribe worth toward another. So let me ask you a quick question this morning. Does anybody know the very first time in the Bible that the word worship is used? Because we have a lot of ideas, don't we, about worship. We, you know, we, talk, we talk about worship services, and we have, a, and, and Sunday morning, really, it's a wor- worship, worship service. But quite frankly, every time we gather, it's a worship service in some way, shape, or form. Uh, because praying, praying on a Wednesday night uh, after the Bible study is over and when we go to prayer, prayer is an act of worship. Um, music, when we sing or when the instruments play, and uh, an act of worship. Uh, our listening to the teaching and preaching of the Word of God is an act of worship. Um, but anybody know, does anybody know, in the Bible, the first time the word worship is used? You know. Yes. Yeah, actually, it's right on your handout here for you. Uh, And Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5, this is the first time in the Bible that the word worship is used. And it says that Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So it's the first mention so some, I know many of you know, but some, there's probably someone here who doesn't really know what's going on here in this part of the, of the Scripture. So somebody, uh, real short, in a real short way, tell us, what is this all about? Abraham, and as Shelley said, it's, uh, he's taking Isaac, and that's the lad here that's mentioned in verse, in chapter 22. But what's happening here? Somebody tell me, what's going on here where they're told to go and worship? Got to speak louder. You're right. When God is testing Abraham's faith and asked him to uh, sacrifice his son. And so this was Abraham's position of worship to God and honoring God. Yeah. Uh, anything else? And uh, what were the expectations with regards to Isaac? So, so Adam's right. Abraham takes uh, Isaac to Mount Moriah. And uh, he's told to offer his son up as a sacrifice um, there. And um, But what does the Bible tell us? It actually tells us elsewhere what the expectations that Abraham had were uh, if when he did what God had asked him to do. He believed that God would raise him up from the dead. Right, he believed that God would raise him up from the dead. And uh, so, so it's a course, it's a beautiful picture, thousands of years before Jesus came, and there the the scriptures say that God, so God stops Abraham, and God himself will provide himself a sacrifice, and of course, that sacrifice is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first time, and uh, it's always pointed out there in Genesis, so it's just two people, there's just two people, Abraham and Isaac. And they've gone to worship the Lord. So you can worship. So what does that tell us about worship? You don't have to be in church to worship the Lord. Uh, You can be anywhere and worship the Lord. Amen? And uh, so we learned that. Also, uh, another example here uh, on your handout. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 21. The Bible says, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures... They presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So the wise men came, they came and they worshipped, and uh, they worshipped the king of kings there as, uh, just as a child. So worship, it's an attitude of the heart that's expressed in our action. The attitude of the heart that's expressed in action. Now there's there's something, before we even get into this, to the lesson today, there's, there, uh, like so many things in the Bible, we need to really think about the whole idea of why worship and what to worship, and of course, who to worship, we know, is the Lord. Like, like for instance, uh, in the Ten Commandments, all right, I really put, I got to put you out to the test this morning, to the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments in the Bible are sometimes referred to as vertical uh, commandments, because they're commandments between us and God. The next six commandments are horizontal, they're between us and one another. So, who can tell me what uh, one of the first four commandments? I won't even ask you to put them in order, but what are what are one of the, what's one of the what is the what's the first commandment of the 10 commandments? All right, so right right from the start, God makes that clear. So, What's the second commandment? Okay, somebody said something we couldn't hear. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. The second commandment, is that the second commandment? Uh yeah, I think so. It's the second well, actually, what you're thinking of is Jesus said, What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with love all thy soul. And what's the second commandment? Second Jesus said, question. to love thy neighbor as thyself. So you're we'll give you half credit, teacher. Okay, all right. <laughs> The second commandment is no graven image. No graven image. Correct. Wow. Did you look that up or did you know that? No. Because it's- now remember, these are vertical. These, so all these, these next, the next two, they, they deal with... I'll give you another hint. It's one of the reasons that you're here today. What commandment would that be? keep the Sabbath day? Yes. Very good. To honor the Sabbath. And, and now we know that today Jesus is our Sabbath. Uh, But we gather because the early church gathered on the first day of uh, the week, whereas the Jews gathered on Saturday, still do. And then there's one more. There's one more. Somebody just said that. Did you say That's correct. Did you say it? Somebody said it. Who said it? You say, "Oh, uh, well, uh, say it! Just hate the Lord's name in vain." Okay, it's like, uh, why you're a tough crowd this morning." So those are the first. Well, like, what's the next commandment? What's the fifth? I'm thinking of doing a whole series on the Ten Commandments. Maybe that would be a good thing. So, what's the next commandment? What's the What's the fifth commandment? So remember, the first four were vertical. The next have to do with our relationship with people. This is a very important commandment, and this particular commandment is, um, I think, one of the reasons that our culture is in trouble.
1: No, that's a very
0: important commandment, but here's another Here's another idea. I think because this commandment is not always being uh, observed, um, the, well, I won't say that. I'll say that in just a minute. Next commandment. Number five, what's the fifth commandment?
1: Frank. Honor thy father and thy thy mother.
0: That's the fifth commandment. Then the next commandment is thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet uh, thy neighbor's wife and and or his property. But by the way, uh, this is a whole different lesson for a whole other time, so I'm just going to say this. So if if you're not honoring, you, you notice how how the structure goes, first it says you need to honor God, and those are the first four commandments, and then honor thy father and thy mother. Uh, If you don't honor your father and your mother, then thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. They're all built upon one another. Um, But the point of all this was the first four commandments are dealing with God. And the point of the lesson this morning is worshiping God. So one of the dangers that we have, and it doesn't, it's just not in our culture, it's historically, uh, there's a danger in false worship, right? So, for instance, in our culture today, what are some things that people um, worship? In fact, it's a priority. They worship. There are some things that people worship more in our culture than, than they do God. What would be an example of that? Like what could you worship? Yes? Uh, money. Money, sure. Money is, uh, somebody posted something on uh, Facebook the other day. They said, how come if money, Think. Th- listen to this. How come if money is evil that churches ask for money? What's wrong with that statement? And the, and the person was corrected, by the way. Money's not evil. Money's not evil. Yes. It's the love of money. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, So, but money, yes, some people can make money their idol. Their whole life is wrapped around money. What else? Social status. Social status, yep. Yes? Uh, Sports figures. Sports figures, yep. I saw the sign up for the youth football league. I love football, but playing football on Sunday morning Playing baseball on Sunday morning, going golfing on Sunday morning, going fishing. We've been called to worship. What else? Yes. Uh, in, in the text and culturally, uh, the Jews and others would worship their heritage, their family, you know, their, their lineage. And I think to some extent we still do that today. Yeah. That sometimes um, parents can worship their children. You know, like they children You could do no wrong. Right? Probably how we felt about you, huh, Adam, you could do no wrong. <laughs> we did have that problem with you. <laughs> uh, we just needed to take the, the, the board of education to the seat of knowledge and uh, think about that, and you'll get that in a bit. <clears throat> All right, uh, what else? Those are some good things with regards to not to worship. Anything else? Power. Power, yes. Their bodies. Our bodies, yeah. The, the earth. The earth, yes. And that's been, that has been a problem for, really since the beginning of time. And uh, with regards to creation and worshiping, putting the, Paul, Paul warned against putting the, um, putting the uh, creature before, no, yeah. Putting the creation before the creator. And uh, that's huge today. Anything else? How about worshiping church? Sometimes that happens. There are, whole, there are whole buildings built and the whole emphasis, you know, the whole point of worship is the emphasis is supposed to be on Jesus. There's whole buildings built where people walk in and they're just in awe of the building the building itself becomes a place uh, where they worship the building. Uh, you can't worship the ministry either. You can't, you can't worship the leader of the ministry. Um, the whole point of worship is to worship Jesus Christ. So having said that, let's kind of get into this a little bit. So if you notice on the back of your handout, the people of worship here that, that, that's written here in, in 1 Peter. So in 1 Peter chapter... Um 2, beginning in verse 1. So Peter writes, wherefore? And whenever you see in the Bible a wherefore, you need to understand what it's there for. And so the first chapter of the Bible, Peter is talking about our um, inheritance that we have that's incorruptible, it's undefiled, it fadeth not away. He talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about the um, the purity of our faith. He talks about being holy for... uh, God said, be holy for I am holy. He talks about the precious blood. Um, He talks about Jesus dying on the cross and purifying our souls. So he says all of this. And then in verse 2, he says, wherefore, in other words, because of all of these things, lay aside malice and guile and hypocrisy and envies and evil speaking as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you can grow... If thereby you've tasted, the Lord is gracious. Then he says this in verses 4 and 5. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, if you notice here uh, on your handout, there's really, with regards to the the people of worship, two types of uh, two types of people here. First, he talks about lively stones, and so sometimes, uh, well, well, on your handout, look at Ephesians chapter two, verses nineteen through twenty. Now, therefore, the Bible says, "Ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints." So, in other words, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you've become a fellow citizen. With the other believers, that's what the saints are. We're not talking about like Roman Catholic saints here. We're talking about every person who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior is a saint. We've been set aside by the precious blood of Christ. We are part, as it says in Ephesians, of the household of God. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So Christ is the cornerstone. The the apostles are built upon that foundation. And you and I, we fit on that foundation. We're lively stones, the Bible says. And Peter writes here and reminds us of that. Um, Chosen of God and precious, ye also, look at verse 5, ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So that you and I, we're connected because of the salvation that we have through Christ. We're connected. We are the people of worship. We gather. In other words, this isn't the house of God here. We are the house of God. And this is just the building where we gather to worship. Uh, but the house of God is really when the when the church gathers together and uh, the cornerstone of, of, of the church is Christ and we're built upon on that foundation. <clears throat> I was looking at a house the other day with Ethan and uh, we went into the basement. And, uh, you know, because you see a lot of this in New England. Um, in fact, I, it's the way my house is built as well. But all the old homes in New England, they were just built with... The foundations aren't poured concrete. They're just built with big stones. Uh, the foundation to this church. On, on this side, it's uh, I think that's granite that's on that side here. Uh, but on this side of the building, it's just fieldstone foundation behind the walls. And, um, but some, when they built this place, at some point, they laid the first stone, and then they built the foundation off of that first cornerstone. And, and I'm not an expert at building by any stretch of the imagination, but once you lay the cornerstone, then you got to make sure this wall is straight, you got to make sure this wall is straight, and this wall, and this wall. And it's built. But here we are in this building, built in 1892. It's a long time ago. And uh, it's still standing on the foundation. Um, and that's why. 2,000 years ago when Jesus came and he laid the foundation stone. He was the foundation stone. And so uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is never going to crumble because he's the founder, he's the founding stone. But you and I are part of that. It's a real privilege uh, to be part of that. And Peter reminds us of that here. Uh, You as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Um... And then I was thinking about this earlier this morning. You know, My house up in, up in Reedsboro, up in Hartwellville, our house, we, we figure it's built somewhere probably before 1890. Uh, I think we've researched it as far back as maybe the 1870s, 1880s, because it's built in different sections. Um, but it's the same thing. It's got this fieldstone foundation. And it's still there after all these years. and. Uh, but like any house, um, you have to maintain it. By the life of me, I don't understand why people buy houses and then they don't maintain them. It's like you have an investment, so you got to maintain it, right? And so where I live, the winters are hard, so it's just like I got to scrape, I got to paint, I got to do this, I got to do that, or else the house will fall apart well in some ways because you and I are part of the household of God coming to church every Sunday morning or coming on a Wednesday night and and staying close to the Lord that's our maintenance to make sure that that the house of God that we doesn't fall apart and when things go wrong it's like a house where if the electric needs to be fixed or the plumbing needs to be fixed or or uh, we had a we put a new door in this past year new front door I think that front door was put in in 1860. (laughs) It was terrible, Uh, terribly leaked cold air in the winter. Uh, And so through the years, we've done all these upgrades. But that's to maintain the house. And in a real sense, because we're part of the house of God, we've got to do upgrades. And uh, that's why you gather at church, to hear a message. Um, That's like the fresh paint. And uh, to, to read your Bible, that's to make sure the electricity's working, uh, to spend some time in prayer, uh, that's to make sure that the like the drippy sink in the house gets fixed and uh, that's all part of it. We're the household of God. And all of these things are how we come to the Lord and show him His worth. Because that's really what worship is about. It's about showing Jesus his worth. And um, so we're reminded of that. But then, You may not realize this, but probably many of you do. Um, Not only we lively stones, but the believer priests. Look at at what Peter says in verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. All of us, that's that's all of us. We're all priests. That's the priesthood of the believer. It's a very important part of our faith. Hebrews, on your handout, says this, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So, of course, that's referring to Jesus. He's the high priest. Um, Look in verse 9 of chapter 2. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness "...into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy." So that's the priesthood of the believer. Just like in the Old Testament, there was the, the tribe of Levi. They were the priests, and the people would bring their sacrifices to the priest, and the priest would be the intermediary, and the priest would offer up the sacrifice before God. Today, because Jesus is our high priest, you can go right to our heavenly father. That's a great privilege, amen? And we offer up sacrifices. The sacrifice, the Bible talks about the sacrifice of prayer, the sacrifice of praise. Um, We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our treasures. We sacrifice our talents. Um, All of this is brought before the Lord as a way to uh, be a living sacrifice. What is it, Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. So our bodies, what are our bodies? What is the, what, how does the Bible describe our bodies? We are the what of God? Yeah, we are the temple. Our bodies are the temple of God. And within each of us resides, who have accepted Christ as our Savior, within each of us resides the Holy Spirit of God. It's the great, great blessing of receiving Christ as our Savior. And we're going to look at a few scriptures in a, in a minute with regards to the Holy Spirit. But we are the people of worship. We are to gather and we are to worship God, whether it's here at church. Uh, honestly, I, when I, it, during hunting season, I've said this before, uh, I've shot a few deer in my lifetime during deer season, but I just enjoy going out in the woods and spending the day in the woods. I bring my Bible with me. Uh, sometimes, I and mean, this is November, if it's a nice day, I'll kind of just at lunchtime eat my lunch. And there have been a few times I've just sat and talked with the Lord, and uh, I usually find a sunny spot so it's warm. And I'll just doze off like Rip Van Winkle. (laughs) That's probably when the deer are coming by while I'm asleep. (laughs) But I just praise and worship the Lord. And uh, Frank and I were talking. Frank came in this morning. It was pouring rain. And uh, it looks like it's let up a little bit out there. Maybe we can still go have the picnic. No, we'll have it inside. (laughs) But if you ever walk through the woods in the pouring rain, I think that's beautiful. I just kind of feel the presence of the Lord when I do that. Um, But that's part of worship and we're to be the people of worship. But then we move to the second point, there's the purity of worship. And as an example of this, take your Bibles and, and go to the Gospel of John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is when Jesus meets the woman at the well. And uh, he is in Samaria, and um, the Samaritans, of course, and the Jews do not get along. There, is, there was bias between both of them. One of the neat things when I went to Israel in November was, I didn't get to do this the first time, but when we left the northern part of the country, you usually um, enter Jerusalem from, I guess that would be the south... Uh, That would be the uh, southeast. Well, they drove through the mountains of Samaria and had never been there before. And then we did end up in Shiloh, which is up in in Samaria. But Jesus went uh, in chapter 4, where it says that, um, verse 4, it says of Jesus that he must needs go through Samaria. That would be a way, a, a path that Jewish people at that particular time would not usually go. But he comes to the city of Samaria, and in the city of Samaria, uh, he's at a place called Sychar. And that's the place where Jacob's well was. And he meets a woman there. And he has this encounter with the woman. And so pick it up, up, if you will, in verse number 11. Now, actually, pick it up in verse number 6. Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now, let me just stop there for a minute. What's the significance of the Bible recording the sixth hour at the end of verse 6? It's the middle of the day, in other words. What's the significance of that? Yes? Uh, Women didn't go to the well in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, to get water. They went either in the morning or in the evening. So she was obviously going there because she didn't want to see, she didn't want other people to see her or talk to her. Right. So, in the back, if you didn't hear Beth, she was exactly right. So, it's the middle of the day. This woman goes to the well. Women would not go to the well in the middle of the day. They would go, as Beth said, early in the morning or they'd go later in the evening. So the significance is she didn't want anyone to see her. She didn't want anyone to meet her there. She was going, at the the time of the day, when there would be no one there. So why? Why didn't she not want anyone to see her there? Her reputation. Her reputation, and what was her reputation? Yes. The conversation of her and Christ that uh, he asked, quote unquote, is your husband? And then she says, I have no husband. And he says, Verily, it's true. You have like four or five. Uh, and then the man she's living with was not her husband. So she would have been a person who, in that culture, there, the she would have been an outcast. People would have talked about her. And um, uh, she would have been someone that people didn't want anything to do with, but the wonderful thing about Jesus is there's no one that he doesn't want anything to do with, if they'll open their hearts up to him, and um, so that's what's happening here. Verse 17, the woman's, in 16, Jesus says, go call thy husband. The woman says to him, I have no husband, and Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. Thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that sayest thou truly. And just again, just so we clearly understand, it's not that her five previous husbands had died. Um, we, don't, we don't know what happened, but I think we can pretty much assume that all five of them did not die, um, or else she would be the black widow of, of the Bible. <laughs> it could be. And the woman said unto him, "Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet, and uh, you know, here's, here's the gist of this with regards to worship. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah's cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So, Jesus is trying to get the point across to her here. It's not about the place. You know, there are are people who will go into a church building and come out of a church building, and because they entered into the church building, think that they've worshiped God. Or there's a phrase, well, you know, you go you go to this place to worship, and they go to this place to worship, and, and they go to over to this place to worship. Um, it's just good that they go somewhere to worship. Well, what's wrong with that statement? Well, that's true. God's always had a place that he would meet. And so why, why couldn't the person say, well, yeah, God meets with me at such and such place. That's true too. He can meet with you everywhere, but we're, but now I'm kind of, and I have made that comment, and it's true that we can worship God whether we're here. Or we should could worship God whether we're in the woods. We should work can worship God at work. But now I'm kind of zeroing in on where the body people gather, and so the freight. What I said was, well, so and so says, well, I worship at this place. So and so says, I worship here. So and says, I worship here, and. The statement that I then made was, well, it's just important that you go and you worship somewhere. What's wrong with that? Well, I think the model in the New Testament bears that Christ gave himself to the institution of the church, and that's best done through local church bodies. We see even in Revelation, uh, or even through the Gospels, there's letters to specific churches. And so aren't we as the people of God intended to be a part of a local church, invest, and uh, participate? You're exactly right. But what I the question is, these different groups, they're all going to a local church somewhere. But that—that that, well, everything you said is right. Yes? Yes, it has to be a place where the truth is preached and taught it doesn't do you any good to go to a place and worship if the truth isn't being taught so for instance you could go to the kingdom hall and say you've gone to worship the problem with going to the kingdom hall and worshiping is they preach a false gospel you can go and and yes go ahead frank uh, would spirit and truth. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so it's got to be a place where there's truth. So that's just one of the in fact I spoke with someone from the Kingdom Hall once, one of the leadership there, and you know, they said, Well why can't you just accept what we do? And I said, Because you think because your opinion of who Jesus is is different of my opinion of who Jesus is. And they had to admit you're exactly right. Because that's a problem. If you don't believe in the Bible, Jesus, then who are you worshiping? So um, it's got to be a place where there's truth. And and how do we know that there's truth? So let's look at a couple of things here. So notice on your handout, worship in the spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.14, but the natural man... Let me just say this too before I go any further... So in our area, we are not the only assembly that preaches the truth. I don't want anybody to think, well, we're the, there are numbers of churches in our area that preach the Bible, all right? Um, and I'm glad for those ministries. And, and, but there are numbers of assemblies in this area that do not preach the truth. They preach a works-based salvation. And if you go and you're going to a place that preaches that you have to earn your way to heaven, that's not the truth. Because none of us can earn our way to heaven. That's a false gospel. Paul warned about it, right? In Galatians, he said, Though we, or an angel from heaven, preach unto you any other gospel, let them be accursed. It's a serious thing not to preach the truth. So it's important that where we worship, we worship where the truth is preached. 1 Corinthians 2.14 on the handout says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Who's the natural man, for those that don't know? Many of you know, but there's when the Bible says the natural man. Somebody somebody who's never come to know Christ as their Savior. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And so we're reminded of that. We're reminded, too, by the way, that it's possible in some of our churches because we, if we're, we need to be careful with regards to worldly methodology because we're supposed to worship in spirit and truth. So not only does our message need to be uh, truth, but our methodology needs to be based upon truth also. So how do we know? Uh, how do we know? Look, look. Go, if, uh, if you're still in John, go chap, go to chapter 3 and look at uh, verse 6. Chapter 3, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. And then verse 8, is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whether it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So when you and I accept Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes in and resides within each of us. And what's the function? What's the ministry of the Holy Spirit? So now, if you're still in the Gospel of John, go to chapter 14. Chapter number 14 in the Gospel of John. Jesus says in verse 15. And this is just prior to Jesus being crucified, uh, being arrested and crucified. He says these are the last instructions prior to his crucifixion that, that he's giving to the disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, and he, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. So you remember there back in, 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 in uh, 1 Corinthians, the natural man receiveth not the things of God. Jesus is teaching the disciples here. I'm going to give you another, the comforter. Well, that's just another name for the Holy Spirit. And and that's the spirit of truth. He says, and then in verse, chapter 15, he reemphasizes it here. He says in verse 26, um, But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even... The Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's the second time he emphasizes it, and then in verse sixteen he says it again. Verse thirteen: Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So, so we gather here together. And we gather in a place where the truth is to be preached. How do we we sense and know that the truth is being preached? Well, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit of God is to uh, be sensitive to the leading and to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we worship in spirit. And that's how we worship in truth. And Aaron's looking at me in the back as I'm going over. But too bad, it's my birthday. So... We need to be careful the tendency in our culture the tendency in our culture is to compromise the truth. And uh, we need to be careful as individuals and we need to be careful careful as a body of believers that we're not compromising our truth. Because we're out of time and and Aaron is staring me down. Um just I to get to the last point here, but the importance of holding up the truth 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. But somebody said this, I read this this week, it is better to be, as a body of believers, it's better to be divided over truth than united over error. Right? It's better to be divided over truth than to be united over error. And I'll just say that there are a lot of churches today and some in our area that not only is the gospel not being preached, but there are just certain clear scriptural teachings from the Bible that are just being changed, avoided, reinterpreted for one reason or another. So you and I as a people of worship, we worship in spirit and we worship in truth. and so important that we do that. As believers, Let's pray. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know. And we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.